0: Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, welcome to episode 113 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. Cozy, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Rich. Good to
1: see you, man. Good to not see you, but nice to chat with you. Uh, loving, loving summer here in uh, in uh, beautiful Australia, and uh, and and feeling all uh, all superior over the uh, over the, the the snow snowpocalypse photos I've been seeing out of uh, out of the US. Of course, the US is a big place, so it might not be snowing everywhere. I don't know. It's
0: not snowing here. We got cold, <laughs> but it's already back up into the. Like 80s Fahrenheit, so it's warm and balmy. I'm literally sweating in shorts and a t-shirt right now, so loving it. Um, I'm ready for more of the. I love cold weather, so bring it on. Fair bring enough. Bring it on. So it's uh, you know, last week we had Andrew Connell. We talked about New Year's resolutions. I, I didn't mention this on the show, but one of my New Year's resolutions is to try to blog a little bit more. And I promise you, next week I'm going to have a blog post because I've been working on some cool stuff, but. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that our community has had that new New Year's resolution as well. It's kind of a quiet week for for news. We did have one big news from Microsoft, which is that the SharePoint Framework release candidate zero is he, is here. Well, it's on the it's kind of rolling out slowly to certain tenants, but we're at kind of a nice milestone.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I, I um I love the fact that this shows that these guys are pushing really hard to get to uh, to, to, to get to get to release. R C zero is an interesting concept. Uh, we we're discussing off air whether that might mean that they need some extra runway and so they've given themselves an extra extra number or whether they've just gone ultra geek and said we're gonna zero base this thing.
0: Yeah, I have not seen an R C zero. Usually they start at R C one. I don't know um the full story behind it, but uh, sure, we'll go with it. It's kind of cool. Hopefully it's more that they just want to be a little bit different than um, they need, uh, you know, 10 spots before they go into double digits. So uh, hopefully we won't see double digits on this. I know that they've been doing great stuff and certainly lots of good activity. In fact, to that note, in the community, not a lot. Like I said, there's not a whole lot going on this week. Uh, Waldeck Mastercars who always tends to have a good post for us every week, he did have one on building custom controls that go in the part Properties pane of a SharePoint Framework project. So certainly when you're building a web part, there's part Properties. The SharePoint Framework allows you to customize that part Properties pane, even so much so that you can build your own custom controls in there. So imagine you want some sort of you know, very visual interactive type of user interface, maybe some sort of customized calendar type of control. You can do that with the SharePoint Framework, and WALDEX kind of walks you through how to do that.
1: Yeah, I like this. And I think I like it particularly about this is Waldeck's talking about how to be a developer for developers. And and that this is something that I think as as senior software devs, we need to be thinking about. How do we make life easier for developers to create good stuff? And this is, this is what he's all about.
0: Yep, very good stuff. Another one that was uh, in the blogosphere this week that I thought was pretty interesting was um, Stefan Bauer, who we to have a lot of stuff by Stefan as well. Um, about a year ago, he wrote uh, some things called like simple styles to be able to more easily style things that you're doing in uh, both Office 365 and SharePoint development. But at the time, it was something that you had to kind of clone his project structure. Uh, so I actually had to go clone a repo. And rather than having to do things in more manual steps, uh, he actually just created a yeoman generator for it. So you know, definitely check that out. I think anything that helps developers kind of facilitate better styles and better user interface, I think it's a, a plus for everyone. So uh, check out what Stefan did there.
1: Indeed, I, this is a double bonus for me because, I, I, as you say, any, anything helping developers make stuff look better is always going to be a good thing. It can, can never, never be bad. And the other thing here is that it really starts to, to hammer home the advantages... In consistency with using something like a yeoman generator or a bunch of scripting to do whatever it is you do because you're going to get that same result every time it's the idea is that you want to be able to repeat whatever process you're doing in a way that makes it do, work the same every time and uh, and yeoman's a great way of doing that
0: I think even beyond that i like, it's interesting that like you know you to some extent you expect microsoft's going we 're going to have our own yeoman generators for like office, or we might have our own Yeoman generators for SharePoint framework, but that doesn't mean that you know a leader in the community, like Stefan, who's an, an MVP, that he might have like, hey, I actually think that there's a better structure that I use all the time, uh, that might use certain libraries or certain like technologies, and and I can go build my own generator that people can can use, and, and I, so I think that's a great. I've seen this really popular in the Angular world where you have you know, guys like Ward Bell that might have, uh, you know, might be a thought leader where they'll kind of create their own, uh, you know, project structures that allow others to kind of, you know, use their uh, skills and knowledge that they've built over the years. So I think it's kind of a neat concept that Stephon's doing there. So kudos to him. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So in terms of our guest this week, I think we have a, a great treat. Uh, he's someone that's been on the show in a number of different different capacities. We have Mark Rackley. Mark. Welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. So we've had you on the show. Like I said, you were one of our original podcast punk. You probably yeah, want to forget all about, about that. that. But then we also had you as a guest, but it was a part of an MVP panel. So this is the first time that we've had an opportunity to have kind of some dedicated Mark Rackley love on the uh, podcast. So cool. I'm, I'm excited. Why don't you give our listeners who may not know you as much a little bit of background about
2: yourself? Sure. So, um, you know, my name is Mark Rackley, as he stated. I work for an organization called Pate Group. Uh, we are a SharePoint services consulting firm. They basically do everything SharePoint related. So we do migrations, development, deployment planning, support, branding, whatever you you can do in SharePoint, we pretty much do it. And um, I got started with SharePoint uh, back in 2007. And I got started probably like a lot of developers out there where I was sitting in my office working, and my boss came in and said, "Hey, go do SharePoint." Yeah, I'm like, you know what's what's SharePoint? right I mean I had no clue. It was apparently going to save the world though, right It was going to cure cancer and it was going to do everything and, and put a nice bow on it. So I started digging into SharePoint at that point, and I'm like, "What is this? Uh, why do I hate it so much? Uh, how come there's no content out there for it?" How come I can't even get started? Uh, I even remember we brought in a trainer uh, to come down and train us on it, and uh, we had to kick him out because he wasn't helping us at all. So it was a really <laughs> painful time getting started. Uh, and then I noticed that in 2008 there was a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Tulsa Tech Fest, and I'm thinking, and they had a SharePoint track. And I'm thinking, wow, people actually know about this stuff. So I drove to Tulsa. I went to that conference where I met a few people who were still active in the community. Uh, I met uh, Eric Shupps, uh, SharePoint Cowboy. I also actually met Becky Isserman and Corey Roth. But uh, I like to tell people that uh, uh, you can blame Eric Shupps for everything I do. So if you don't like it, go blame him. Don't talk to me about it.
0: I can give you guys his his cell phone number, too, if any of our listeners want to uh, give that feedback. So we'll have that later.
2: Just don't touch his cowboy hat and you're fine.
0: I know, I know. So, well, that's a, that's kind of a cool, cool story. So how did you, like, that kind of got you probably a little bit more comfortable with instead of cursing at it every hour, maybe only every day. So what what kind of, what went next from, you know, out of that, that conference?
2: Oh, yeah, and I still curse it every now and then, so don't get it wrong. I tell people if you don't hate SharePoint, you've never used it correctly. Uh. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they those guys encouraged me to start blogging, so I set up a blog. It was uh, SharePointHillbilly.com, because uh, I'm from Arkansas, so I come by it naturally. I started, uh, I found a couple of small events to start speaking at, where I took just some of the things I figured out on my own and turned those into sessions, um, and then I realized that, you know, I kind of like this stuff. These SharePoint people are kind of cool, um, and, you know, I just kept going from there, and now i 've you know spoken all over the country, uh, a couple of different countries. I was in New Zealand last year, which was a lot of fun. spoke at the uh, Microsoft SharePoint conference a few times and uh, it 's just something i 've really come to love it 's a lot of fun um, but back in two thousand and nine, I got approached by a consulting firm out in washington d c uh, to come work for those guys and do a project for the government and I'm like, wow, look at this huge pay raise. Of course I'm going to do this. I'd be stupid to say no. So uh, I, I get on board, and I show up on site to start work, and it's for the State Department. And the day we get on site, they say, hey, guys, we're six months behind schedule. And we can't change that date without a presidential mandate, so you're stuck with it. nuts! Oh, <laughs> <Nice. laughs> yeah. And by the way, uh, you cannot deploy any code to our farms. So we're like, <laughs> Well, yeah, and this was on SharePoint 2007, so there wasn't even Sandbox Solutions then. So we're just kind of like, what, what the heck are we going to do? Uh, but it turns out that uh, around this same time, Mark Anderson released a library called SP Services, which was a jQuery library that uh, makes it easy to call the Soap Web Services of SharePoint. Uh, and we found out that using jQuery, SP Services, and a content editor web part, we could basically create the functionality we needed for this uh, project. So... Uh, we dug in. Uh, you know, bloodied my knees. I cursed a lot. And uh, but at the end of it, I had a really uh, nice project that was exactly what they needed. Uh, and so I just found that, that you could really do a lot of cool things, client-side dev, and you could really get rid of a lot of the deployment headaches and and uh, some of the development headaches even. And it's it's been a you know I kind of found my niche there and have a uh, kind of stayed in that group for the most part since then.
0: So that was a really hard time, I would say, for client-side development. I remember, you know, I was like you, being more of a, a server-side .NET guy and and looking at SharePoint just because, you know, I I did I wasn't consulting at the time already, and I didn't have the boss come say, um, we we bought SharePoint, we need to use it. It was more that I'd get pulled into customers that were um, you doing wanted to do different things with SharePoint, and you know, I I was looking at. The traditional kind of farm solutions, and even doing things like ASP .NET AJAX was really hard. It was just anything that you wanted to do client side, it felt like was relatively challenging back then. And nowadays, it's it's a whole world different. You have things like the SharePoint framework and REST, and all these different things. But what were some of the challenges that you ran into back in you know 2008 2009 in in trying to you know deliver things client side?
2: Well, you know the the challenges we encountered were actually they weren't too great. But of course, the biggest being that when you're running client-side code, you're running with the same permissions as the logged-in user. So we couldn't do things like elevate permissions, right? We couldn't do things like timer jobs or event receivers. So we had to find a way around all of those tools that we could no longer build. And, you know, plus we're developing in this thing called JavaScript with no real tooling, right? We're using Notepad++, Um, And so it was just impossible to debug because JavaScript error messages suck, right? They'll say you're missing a comma and you're missing a semicolon three lines up the page. So it's just the debugging aspect of it was really, really difficult. The the other thing that we struggled with a lot is because it's client-side development and we had to do a lot of complicated functionality, uh, it could be slow, right? It could take several seconds to load some pages. And so that caused some issues that we had to deal with. But overall, we found that writing the script, storing it in a document library, and being able to link to it in a content editor web part was in a lot of ways so much more simple to deploy that, to test that, to upgrade that, uh, to move it from one environment to another. So we got to really focus on the development. So it, and we didn't have to worry about authentication or anything. So it was really great from the, from that aspect of it. So I would say in a lot of ways, the good outweighed the bad there.
1: Very cool. So, you said you were you know, using Notepad plus plus back in the day as your as your development tooling. What is it now? What are, you, where are you, what are you up to in terms of what you're using for your dev work now?
2: I'm using uh, Visual Studio Code actually. That's uh, my now my favorite tool. It's it, I'm all about free stuff. When I do my sessions, I like I like to try to show as much free stuff as I can, and and uh, I I really like Visual Studio Code. I like the the way that's actually tied into the framework. It works well with that. So I mean it's just i come to really appreciate it, and um, it's my go-to tool. I'll still occasionally open up SharePoint Designer, but simply because it makes it easier to update scripts in a document library without having to re-upload those files.
1: Okay. And what, what about the rest of your tool set? I mean, we talked a bit about the, um, the, the stuff with, that, uh, that, that Stefan did with, uh, with Yeoman. Is, is, that part of your, is that part of your framework? Are you, are, you a big, um, are you a big node guy in terms of getting stuff set up and running?
2: Nope. Give me code. And like that's that? that you no, know, I start. Okay, interesting. I think, yeah. yeah, I don't use any other tooling. Uh, well, of course, when I'm doing stuff with the SharePoint framework now, you have to, but, uh-huh. but when I, if I'm not, I use no other tooling.
1: Mm, very, very cool. Just... I so that I, I think that's it's always it always fascinates me to see how how different developers work in the it, you know whether they're a minimalist, which it sounds like you might be, or whether they've got you know as much as much help and 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 uh, uh, and, and as bells and whistles as possible. I guess that brings me to the next question around frameworks themselves. Uh, you know, we've seen stuff with people like uh, the the uh, the SharePoint uh, the SharePoint team and the and the SharePoint framework team really leaning towards things like React. Obviously, there are things like Angular out there as well that the people are pretty uh, pretty psyched about. Um, what's your take? On, on that uh, on that approach to client-side development.
2: So, you know, that's kind of a religious debate, right? There's a lot of strong opinions about that stuff. Um, so I want to kind of say at my core, I still see SharePoint as a platform. I still see SharePoint doing so much on its own, right? You've, you've got your list libraries, you've got your workflows, you've got your forms in there. I mean, there's a lot of things that SharePoint already does for you. So why reinvent the wheel when SharePoint already does so much for you. So when I look at things like frameworks and these really uh, complicated tools, you know, a lot of times I just want to get something on the page that's already there. I want—I don't want to create a full single-page uh, single application. I just want to do a web part, and I can write that web part in a couple of hundred lines of scripts, maybe a hundred lines of scripts. So why would I want to use an entire framework and add all this layer of complexity for something so simple? So I typically don't go for any framework, you know. And and I the other thing is that the frameworks change every couple of years. So if you invest right. all your time and energy yes. React or Angular, and then two years from now it's something completely different, you're now maintaining all these different frameworks or rewriting. Where if you stay kind of off-framework, but, again, you know, be rational about it. Uh, you don't have those headaches. Now, I totally agree for large development teams or very large projects, a framework makes total sense. Right. So,
0: look, it's probably not a framework, but, you know, I know you mentioned things like, like jQuery, so you see that more as a script, and and jQuery certainly uh, it, it makes manipulating the DOM very easily, but, like, like, you know, some of those tools do a lot better than jQuery when it comes to, like, like data binding type of scenarios, is there? Is it what, what? do you do for like like data binding type of things?
2: I typically stick with jQuery, right? I, I see jQuery as a utility library more than like a framework, and it's just something that uh, I'm so comfortable with that it's 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 something that I can. You know, there's a little bit of uh, disliking change there, right? I, if someone found the ideal framework for me that would allow a lot of that data binding and stuff, I'd probably jump on it, to be honest. Uh, It's just that everything I've seen, the overhead to get started with it has just made it, you know, or I didn't really want to get into it. I've done handlebars. I've done an Angular 1 project before. And at the end of the day, I I, I wasn't seeing the benefits from it to to make me want to really invest a lot of time into it.
0: I see. So, you know, kind of before, I want to definitely transition to the SharePoint framework and kind of your thoughts there, because it, honestly, like, even when I talked with um, with Keeper uh, in our 100th episode, well, your name came up because it seemed like the SharePoint framework was almost something that was, like, made for someone like you. But, like, is... is like, What sort of, like, governance challenges do you run into given, like, how easy it is to do something like throw a content editor on a page and, and throw some script into it? I mean, there's certainly... Uh, you know, when I think about organizations that are wanting, like, all of their team sites or all their department sites to look a certain way, and when we introduce, like, this concept of, you know, being able to just very easily uh, manipulate a page with script, like, what, what – tell me about some of the governance challenges you've run into and how you've addressed them.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a huge governance challenge, right, because you've got all these – because it's so easy to do, you have site owners who don't know a thing about development – grabbing scripts off my blog, throwing them on a page and then finding scripts from three other blogs, throwing them on a page and they've created a mess and broken their page. And then they're calling support saying, Hey, my page doesn't work. Come fix it. And then I've got people hating me because you know, they got my script off my blog. Um, so you've one of the biggest governance challenges is that non-developers are doing this stuff without understanding what they're doing. And then there's the simple thing like script references. Where are we going to store a script? How are we going to reference the script? There's, a lot of voice to do the same thing, so it, it all comes down to a people problem, I think, though more than a technology problem. Like coming up with those governance rules, ex- deciding how you're going to store that stuff, how you're going to use it, how you're going to reference, it, be consistent with it. Um, you know, if you've got those rogue users, maybe even say, "Hey, if you guys mess with this site, we're not going to support it." So, um, it's it is a challenge though, and you know, a lot of our clients are mid-sized clients. Our, our typical client size that I deal with every day is anywhere from 250 users to 4,000 users. And a lot of the solutions we build for them don't need to be deployed over and over and over and over again because that is one of the limitations of this type of development. There's no great way to automatically deploy it across multiple sites or multiple site collections. It is more of a manual process. So that's where things like content editor web parts really kind of start falling apart when you get into these larger environments where you need a more managed approach to development and deployment.
0: Cool. So I guess transitioning from there, let's talk a little bit about the SharePoint framework and your thoughts there. I know that you have um, you had a great blog post recently about taking some of the things that you may have done in a content editor web part and how you might migrate those to the SharePoint framework. So tell me kind of your thoughts of the SharePoint framework and what you've been doing with it.
2: So The SharePoint framework, it basically takes those two things I just talked about, management and deployment, and it makes them a lot more, it makes your code a lot more manageable and deployable. So it's great from that standpoint. So now when I write a client web part in the SharePoint framework, uh, I can give that to somebody and they can go deploy it and they don't have to touch the script to modify anything, like to specify which list they want to read against, because now I can expose it as a web part property really easily. Uh, So I think that the SharePoint framework answers a lot of those concerns and things like uh, also script isolation. So that you don't have to worry about people polluting the global namespace. So it, it's starting to address, it's like Microsoft saw all these people using content editor web parts and we're like, holy crap, this is causing mess everywhere. How can we wrangle them and get them into some kind of environment where we, it's more controlled? And, and they came up with the SharePoint framework. It's kind of, that's the conversation that goes on in my head when I think about it. So, um, I have written a blog post where I took one of my solutions that I did solely as a content editor web part, and I took it and I brought it into the SharePoint framework where I exposed a lot of the the options in it as properties in a web part panel, um, and it was really smooth in a lot of ways, and I really liked it. So I'm, I'm very hopeful about the SharePoint framework and what it brings to the table. And, and
0: you know, some of the, I guess, What has been your thoughts? You know, there are certain people. We had Andrew Connell last week on the show, and Andrew's one of those guys that I think uh, probably more than almost anyone in the Office 365 space embraced, like, the open source world. He was one of the first guys I saw carrying around a Mac, using, you know, non-Visual Studio type of IDEs. Like, Like, you know, his transition to the SharePoint framework probably was a lot easier than someone like you or I, um, How has the transition been to things like using, you know, things like Yeoman or using things like TypeScript?
2: Yeah, so this is where I see the biggest hurdles for the SharePoint framework because you've got your traditional SharePoint developers who are Visual Studio developers who've never used any of these open source tooling, and now they're, that's being thrown at them, and they, they're like, oh, uh, what, what's this, right? I mean, why am I downloading 300 megs worth of files when I just want to do a hello world web part? And then you've got these people that are not traditional developers, but they know how to write JavaScript and put it into a content editor web part. And they're like, well, what are all these tools? What are all these files? What the heck is TypeScript? I don't even know what an interface is. What you know, a Lambda expression will make their head explode. So it's it's a really difficult environment for a large subset of developers. For the Visual Studio developers, they've got to train up on new tools. And for the Pure JavaScript developers, they've got to train up on new tools. It's going to be a big hurdle to adoption.
0: And so, like, you specifically, has there been anything that has helped you become more familiar with those? Uh, Do you have any tips for kind of those developers that maybe aren't as familiar with some of those things?
2: Yeah, um, become friends with Waldeck, and when you have problems, ask him the problem. and. and (laughs) But I don't, so there's a ton of great content out there, right? Waldex, one of the guys. I think Chris O'Brien has a lot of great stuff too. Um, yeah, check out their blogs and what they're doing, and, and get in there and dig around. That's the only thing you can do because it's it is so different. It's it's not if you're not familiar with the tools, it's not logical. And um, something that Andrew Connell did point out that I I like is is don't get hung up on the tooling. I mean just just don't. There's there's two different things here. There's writing your client web parts, and then there's the tooling. Don't get caught up in it. Just you know, don't worry about necessarily all that it's doing if you don't need to. Concentrate on learning how to write the tools. Yeah, you know, the tooling is—it's—it's
0: it's inherently its job is to be a facilitator of things, right? I mean, it's supposed to make things easier. I mean, if we take get, get literal, like a a screwdriver as a tool, and it's made to unscrew and unscrew uh something easier, uh, it's not supposed to make things harder. And so, I think that is a good general guidance for things. And hopefully uh, some of the the things that maybe make the tooling seem not as efficient, whether it be the fact that you have to pull down 300 megs of node modules. Hopefully, as we get closer to like a a general availability of the SharePoint framework, some of those pain points will start to be eliminated or minimized in a a lot of ways. Um, So cool. like what? Yeah, things like the SharePoint framework and and it it you know being more open to other technologies and and even some of the other things that um, we're doing in general with Office three sixty five has has it made you start to look at other services that SharePoint that well not SharePoint but Office three sixty five provides? Um, I know you know things like with the Microsoft Graph or trying to make it easier and more um, pervasive to go across different services and consume those. Have you had an opportunity to kind of realize that as a SharePoint developer, that you have all these new things that are at your disposal?
2: Yeah, and, you know, I'm really excited about the potential with with the Microsoft graph uh, or the Office graph, right? There's two different graphs now, right? (laughs) But uh, uh, it's having the idea of having these endpoints into all your different uh, Parts of Office just really opens up a world to what you can do, right? Especially as a as a SharePoint dev, as an Office dev. You know, I can now write a client web part that would show all of the events from my Outlook calendar into SharePoint or from a specific calendar. Or I can actually create calendar invites in someone's Outlook calendar. I mean, how many times do we have that request, right? And those things that couldn't be done before... Uh, you know, thanks to this API, we can st- now start interacting with those pieces with OneDrive. We can get to those files in OneDrive. It's, so I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to really digging into it. One of the things I'm looking at doing as well is uh, creating an external form solution so that you can create forms in, let's say, something like WordPress, but use that API, the Office API, to store it on your back end, whether that's in Azure or whether it's in SharePoint. So I, I hope to at some point be able to get, in there a little bit more and dig around with that.
0: So you're obviously being, uh, you know, working with customers every day in the front lines. You know, a lot of these tools, whether it be the SharePoint framework or the, the Microsoft Graph, it's really geared towards, like, customers that are in the cloud, that are all in and doing things with Office 365. We started to with Ignite, you know, we announced some hybrid things with the Microsoft Graph, but in general, even that's hybrid, and we expect some level of things in Office 365. What are you seeing, and are you seeing, like, are, are a lot of your customers able to take advantage of these tools, or are you still seeing a, a, a majority of customers that are on-premises and, and might have to wait longer to be able to use some of these things?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of our on-premises customers are just, they're, they're biding their time as they're trying to figure out what to do, right? Do they go to 2016 and try to get some of this stuff with feature packs that's, going to be in office 365 they look on going to office 365 they look to go hybrid it's a there's a lot of wait and see right now um and i guess that's why some of the traditional development methods for client side dev of using a document library to content editor web part will, will be around for a while right because you can do that without the sharepoint framework and you can do that on sharepoint 2010 2013 and it's all pretty transparent to upgrade so um you know, I look forward to more and more of those features being brought on premises. And um, I know that, like that entry point for most of those guys is being OneDrive, right? So that's always a good place to get started uh, when you're looking at doing something if you're on premises and getting started on in the cloud.
0: Yeah, I think you know, I always say that. Like the, I, I did a post a few years back that was talking about like where do you get started in the cloud, and it tends to be either like sometimes it's a specialty type thing. Like you know, we have. With Office 365, we have video portal is done really easy, and so a lot of times maybe it's you know an organization says you know we already own some Office 365, we've moved mail there, but we haven't done anything with SharePoint Online. Let's do a video portal first, or you know let's do a com- uh, more of a commodity thing like OneDrive or Team Sites, and so you know hopefully we'll see more of that and and more customers being able to take advantage of you know what we're doing there and the value that that, that we have there, but. It sounds like we'll certainly uh, be able to keep you in business when it comes to some of the more like, traditional uh, ways that you've helped with extensibility. Um, how, how did you find, just in general, uh, going through the, the steps of taking uh, a content editor and script approach and migrating that to the SharePoint framework, how, like how, like on a, a scale of 1 to 10 in difficulty, like where do you think like, your, you fell with that? like 10 being the most difficult and one being, well actually, well, I guess one being super difficult and 10 being, you know, that was, that was easy to do. Like where do you feel like it, it fell for you in, in, in real life?
2: Well, for the first month, I would say it was probably about a two, right? Because I'm very stubborn about reading the directions first. It's like I can generate the Hello World web part. I should be able to do this. So I got in there and just tried to common sense it, and I failed miserably. I could not make anything work. Um, but after going through the struggle and headache, after actually taking the time to learn a few things, again, talking to Walbeck about a couple of things, um, I was able to get, you know, my script to work relatively easily. And I would say it's probably about a seven at the end of the day. Um, I think there's still some quirks in there that, um, I've had to struggle with and I found like it's easier to copy your scripts locally to your project instead of referencing them externally. Um, but at the end of the day if you follow the steps i was able to go through it with the steps that are in my blog i document in my blog and, and i can reproduce it pretty consistently with those same steps and the one thing i didn't do in my project is i did not turn it my javascript into typescript i kept it as javascript so i think the next step would be to learn typescript and to convert that into typescript as well which again i'm a little bit on the i'm not going to do that until i have to do it path uh, so i haven't done that yet
0: yeah you know you really have to i think have built your javascript in a pretty specific way to make that an easy transition like you know using a lot of singleton patterns if you're not if you haven't already done that like it's it's pretty that's a pretty big um change to take on and and honestly i don't want to discount typescript because i think it's fantastic and it does it makes things like the IntelliSense and having things more strongly typed in javascript and compilable Uh, Great, but remember, all TypeScript is doing is compiling it to JavaScript anyway. So um, it's certainly not a a requirement that you go that direction. Um, Well, so you mentioned, you know, Waldeck was a good resource for you. We we talked last week about with Andrew Connell about training and all the training. You know, that's where he's starting with his new venture with Voitanos is is doing training for the SharePoint framework. Um, There is a lot of content available with, uh, the Patterns and Practices group, you know, with VESA, and, and Waldeck's really active in that as well. They do weekly webcasts, I think, now. I think it used to be monthly. I think they're all the way in doing things weekly at this point. But um, anyway, there's, there's lots of great content out there available for that. Where, where can our listeners um, read more about the things that you're doing? Tell us, like, where you blog at, where you tweet at, all that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, so my blog is uh, markrackley.net. Uh, you can also get to my blog posts at my company's website, pategroup.com. And that's p-a-i-t group.com. And on Twitter, I'm mrackley. Uh, I also have a, a form solution that is a that I created for SharePoint that's totally client-side based uh, that I created because I hate InfoPath. Um, so you can get to that at stratusforms.com. And that's actually using a, a lot of the same techniques that are in my blog. In fact, I've actually written a uh, client-side web part with a SharePoint framework that uses Stratus Forms to create a form. So I'm looking forward to maybe getting some of those uh, apps out there for people to install and use.
0: Awesome. And how about like in terms of like, uh, do you have any conferences, SharePoint Saturdays, anything like that lined up where people could maybe uh, check out one of your
2: sessions? Yeah, so next weekend, I think, I'll be at SharePoint Saturday, St. Louis. Uh, Then I will be at SP Tech Fest Dallas at the end of April. I'm going to be at SP TechCon Austin, uh, Dev Intersections in Orlando. Um, I hope, fingers crossed, that I'll be at the uh, European Collaboration Summit over in uh, Croatia. Um, I'll be at SP Fest in D.C. I believe that's the Monday after Easter my uh, So my April is stacking up to be a very, very busy month right now.
0: Sounds like you're a busy guy, man.
2: Busy guy.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us. We'll have all those links that, that Mark mentioned uh, in the show notes. So if you're listening to this through iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, definitely check out the the show notes on uh, Office blogs to get all the, the great information and links. And um, I feel amazing or amazed that it took us this long to get a, a dedicated show with you mark but uh, uh, excited to have you and thanks for taking the time
2: yeah thanks so much for having me uh, anytime you guys need to talk let me know I'm around
0: I'm good thanks a lot and Cozy have a great week well that's all for this week make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts the developer program and other amazing content also make sure you follow us at office dev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your coat on.